Hey, how's it going? I'm your host, Gerhard Zhu, and you're listening to Ship It, a podcast about getting your best ideas into the world and seeing what happens. We talk about code, ops, infrastructure, and the people that make it happen. Yes, we focus on the people because everything else is an implementation detail. Today, I'm joined by Constance Carmanolis, principal engineer at Splunk, former maintainer of Envoy Proxy, and the person that you should thank for the tinfoil hats idea. If you don't know what I'm talking about, watch the KubeCon EU 2021 Wednesday keynote video. We are also joined by Stephen Augustus, head of open source at Cisco and self-proclaimed Caesar of Systems, who is .oggy.dev, spelled with two Gs, is the Caesar. Check it out. Constance and Stephen are the KubeCon CloudNativeCon co-chairs, aka your KubeCon hosts, and I was wondering about their perspective on the roaring success that was this past KubeCon. This is my TLDR. It took a lot of hard work. The more you enjoyed it, the harder it was. It would help if some of you were kinder and github.com forward slash Kubernetes forward slash community probably has the answer to your question. Pull information from there first. Join Stephen, Constance and myself to find out what happens before and after KubeCon gets shipped. Big thanks to our partners Fastly, LaunchDarkly and Linode. Our bandwidth is provided by Fastly. Learn more at fastly.com. Feature flags powered by launchdarkly.com and we love Linode. They keep it fast and simple. Check them out at linode.com forward slash changelog. This episode of Ship It is brought to you by Render, the zero DevOps cloud that empowers you to ship faster than your competitors. Here's Anurag Goel, CEO of Render, sharing why developers choose Render over Heroku and how they're innovating much faster. A lot of Render customers come to us from Heroku and they tell us Render is what Heroku could have been. I think it's because we offer a more streamlined approach to hosting modern cloud applications at a significantly better price point. Applications on Render heal themselves and scale automatically, giving developers the features and flexibility of something like Kubernetes, but without any of the complexity. We're always working to bring the latest industry advances to our platform. So your applications can leverage the state of the art in the cloud without you having to do or learn anything. All right, learn more about how Render compares to Heroku at render.com slash compare or email changelog at render.com for a personal intro and to ask questions about the Render platform. Again, that's render.com slash compare or email changelog at render.com. We are going to ship in three, two, one. So can you tell that this is my third time that I'm recording this? Oh, congrats. So it's a new podcast. It's all about shipping stuff. And the reason why we are meeting is because you helped ship KubeCon, literally. (laughs) Every day you're shipping KubeCon. And whenever it's KubeCon, uh, I like to get the organizers, the people behind the event, and then the co-chairs as well. Um, So this is going to be a recurring theme. And that's why I say in October, we will definitely record again because all the hard work that you put in you make it so amazing. You really do. So this is basically for you. Thank you. Um, and I know it was so hard for you because this was the European one. And the European one, right, you have to wake up and you have to be there. You can't record yourself. 
Yeah. Fair. <laughs> um, I think that's the, you know, I think that's the part that makes it fun. Um, not so much the, uh, the time zone shifts for a lot of people. We try not to do the emceeing uh, recorded uh, mm-hmm. because it allows us to kind of react to the day and, and weave in stories from, you know, weave in stories from people who are experiencing uh, KubeCon, maybe even for the first time. So, Yeah, that's right. It makes a big difference. I know it's hard on you. I've seen it. But uh, you've done such an amazing job. So if this is like that, or if this was the way it was, right, considering all the things, how is Los Angeles going to be? I'm looking forward to that. Los Angeles, we hope there is going to be an in-person. Like it's marked as hybrid right now. We hope the in-person part is going to happen. So the in-person part happens. We're kind of expecting to be smaller than other North Americas and and also EU, partially because we don't know what the travel restrictions are and right, like, we don't know what, uh, all that stuff there. So I imagine a lot of people are preemptively probably not do the there, but we have some fun ideas. I guess I would really say is like, I come up with a lot of like, you know, like the tinfoil hats and like, we kind of like, I come up with a lot of those like ideas in terms around like spicing things up. And so I have an idea for what we would do if there's an in-person component for the keynotes. Mm-hmm. And so just say, just to like tease it out for people, if there is an in-person, let's give me like a favorite, at least in North America, um, game show with Bob. So just to like give that as a clue for people. Okay. I don't know what that means, but I'm intrigued. Do you know what it means, Stephen? <laughs> I do. I do. Okay. I'm, uh, I think we're still playing around with the idea, so I don't want to give away too much okay. just yet. <laughs> you don't mean yes. SpongeBob by any chance, right? This is a different ball. No, no, different no. Bob. He was different a presenter Bob. for this game show a while back. There's a new presenter now. His first name is Drew Carey or Drew Carey Folling to give people more hints if they want to Google that afterwards. Okay. Um, okay especially like since we have a lot more impact on the keynote, like we have a huge impact on the content, but you know, like, as you're saying, like our personality is where like we get to change things up in keynotes. And so we're trying to make it a little bit more like, cause it is a show. We just kind of forget that it's a show because we're at a conference and we're all like, focused on the tech. And so we're trying to add a little bit more of that life to it. And so mm-hmm. that's like where like the promo videos came in and um, that was also an adaption, adaptation from us being virtual, but also it's probably something that we want to keep on going forward. I think the show idea is super important, right? Because if you make it fun, a show has to be fun. Well, it should be fun, right? Should so be if fun. you should if you fun. approach it like that, you have some amazing elements there. Tinfoil hats, I love those. That was a great <laughs> idea. And then the best part was like, which tinfoil hats? That was even better, right? Like, how do you mean? That was so good. I love that. <laughs> I think when we, because we're we're silly people, and I, I think we we often weave these bits into the show. Um, so I think if you're gonna if you're gonna do a bit, you should commit to it, right? So I think you know, yeah. bringing in the fact that there's, uh, you know, we've had I think we've had questions and comments in the past about there being conspiracies in cloud native. Um, so we decided to play on that. And, you know, with a conspiracy, there's definitely an element of uh, denial and, and, and gaslighting. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. yeah, committing to the bit is important. <laughs> well, it's also like we have distinct jokes. I think it'd be like we would have to rehearse it beforehand. Yeah, a lot of it, I think, you know, a lot, I think a lot of it sometimes is uh, is off the cuff and eventually kind of like just evolves uh, day of or, you know, with the, the promo videos that we did for um, North America Virtual, that was just a few takes. And we did, you know, we had that idea pretty much day of. So for those of you that are listening to this and that are wondering, who are these wonderful people that join me today? And if you don't recognize, we have Constance Karamanolis 
and Stephen yeah, Augustus. It. Both co-chairs. Constance uh, was a co-chair since uh, 2020. And I don't know about yeah, you, Stephen. 2020. 2020, yeah, that sounds about right. 2020. China, right? Yeah, so I believe I believe China was the first. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, we've been doing it for a little bit now. Nice. So for those that are still confused, like they're not the co-chairs of China or Europe. They're co-chairs of KubeCon, CloudNativeCon, Europe, China, North America. These are like the three big conferences um, in the cloud native, Kube, Kubernetes, but mostly cloud native uh, world. Just a quick clarification: the um, the for the China event, the China event is now, um, I believe, OSS uh, OSS Summit China, maybe. Um, so the primary KubeCon uh, cloud native con events are uh, North America and EU. We do kind of like a region specific um, do for uh, for China uh, moving forward, and uh, Constance and I are not directly involved in that. Right, not anymore. Yeah, yeah. it's also because it's all up in the air too. Because like our co chair Reign of Terror ends after North America, and so like China is supposed to be like afterwards. And so like Jasmine might know. Who's Jasmine? I'm glad that you mentioned Jasmine. Who's Jasmine? Jasmine is our lovely new, um, our lovely new chair, our lovely new co-chair. We're uh, so we are actually expanding the roster from two to three co-chairs. What we've been doing every cycle uh, is essentially we have a f- we have a few chairs who are doing it, or two chairs who are doing it, and then as one is getting ready to roll off, we we pull in a new one. Um, those chairs tend to be balanced between kind of like. Kubernetes and not, right? Um, so, you know, kind of based on the, the the conference name, we've got KubeCon and we've got CloudNativeCon. Uh, so we want to make sure that we bring in perspectives from both the Kubernetes community as well as the wider community. So I think, you know, from, from my perspective, I'm definitely, you know, heavily involved in Kubernetes as a maintainer. And, uh, and then Constance uh, is, is involved in the, uh, the open telemetry community. You know, I will make a suggestion and Constance is like, well, there is, you know, maybe there is an observability play here, or maybe we're doing too much Kubernetes uh, content over here. um, And, you know, maybe we should highlight this instead, right? So it's nice to have that balance with Jasmine coming in. Jasmine is an engineering manager in the uh, engineering effectiveness organization at Twitter. And I, what I love about that is that um, Jasmine is also... Um, I think each of us have been end users in the past in some way, shape, or form. Um, Jasmine uh, started her cloud native journey as an end user. Um, so we're getting that, and, and Twitter is also an, an end user company. So um, we're getting that end user perspective. And I think that that is really, that is really, it's definitely really important to me with, you know, having background in, in selling cloud native solutions to customers. Um, I think that if you're not paying attention to their perspective, you're not effectively selling anything. So having someone who is looking out for um, that end user perspective uh, as we build out the program for, for North America and, and in the future is, is invaluable. That's actually really interesting, that perspective in that you're on the inside, Jasmine is on the outside, in a way, right, yep. end user. And Constance is everywhere because she's observability, right? She observes it all. I do observe it all. That is correct. <laughs> okay. So I know that Stephen is uh, Caesar of systems, and I think that's self-proclaimed. But what about you, Constance? Do you have a tagline like that? That was very catchy, Stephen. 
Great Thank job you, if it was you. And if it was someone else, great job to someone else. Uh, yeah, definitely me. <laughs> um, I guess, I don't necessarily have a tagline, but for people who know me, I always have questions. And I guess that kind of goes with durability, right? It's like the durability is all about like answering the questions you have. And I just ask a lot of questions. So I, I guess that maybe I'll be the question master. Yeah, I'll go with that. The Riddler. <laughs> oh, the Riddler. <laughs> Right. So you um, should be asking the yeah. questions, not me. <laughs> right. Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> no, it's uh, more of like what my role is right now. Splunk is like I switched to a product, but I'm always a person being like, hey, so like for our end users, like, why are we doing that? How does it actually impact them? And like, I apply that also with open telemetry. Um, and so I'm always the person asking, but why? Okay, but why? Like kind of like a toddler. Everyone's, you know, three year old is like, but why? But how? Oh. Like, really? Do we need to do this? And so I just, I'm the 20 okay. questions person. Okay. Yeah. So is there a question, a why question regarding this KubeCon, that just the EU KubeCon? Is there a why question that is on your mind that wasn't the answer yet? I haven't thought about that that much. I could say like, um, personally, like both Steve and I have had a lot of big changes this past uh, few weeks and few months. And so like, um, I had to be in Canada for a family emergency and I just came back from Canada and moved to a new house. And so like, I've been kind of just compartmentalizing what is the task of the moment. So I haven't had a chance to actually reflect on KubeCon EU much. That's going to be something I'm going to unfold in the next mm. few weeks as things calm down. Okay. The one thing which I was wondering about to you, KubeCon, there were many, many, like what you just mentioned, for example, I wouldn't have known. You compartmentalized really, really well. If, if that's a compliment... I'm giving it as such. It's it's really hard, right? Especially in this day and age, everything is changing so much and things are just happening. They, they're just happening, literally. We just have to respond yeah. in one way or the other. Um, yeah. speaking, of, speaking of changes on compartmentalizing, I was uh, looking at your Twitter, Stephen, about your uh, clothes shopping. That was like really interesting. Like, finally, I'm, ge I'm getting to do this. I'm going to <laughs> shop for some clothes, right? <laughs> I think there's like a really good story there. I mean, for those that want to check it out, it's it's all on your Twitter. I really like appreciate us like those little, you know, real life things. And sometimes you forget, right? You have KubeCon and you have work and you have like all these million things happening and you need to catch up on and then, oh, clothes. I need some clothes. of those. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, I think that, um, so I am part of our co-chair of the unofficial, one of the cool SIGs, SIG fashion so SIGs are special interest groups. And yet I think what we've done with the in-person events is um, while they haven't been like official events, I think we like we try to have fun with it. So there are, you know, there's like SIG bike and, you know, folks that are into biking will, you know, will bring their bikes to an event and, and you know, get together and, and, and go on a go on a ride. Um, you know, there's SIG like bouldering, you know, people will do bouldering events there. Um, there's SIG beards. So people with awesome beards will get together and take pictures and stuff. I think part of bringing your entire self to the conference is expression, right? And, you know, part of how I express myself is by how I dress. Um, so, you know, as we were getting ready to get this started, I realized like, you know, we've done so many of these events and, and, and at this point, I was like, I think they've seen all my cool stuff. I have to go, I have to go shopping. <laughs> so it was, so it was panic shopping. Um, you know, often the, um, I think often the adrenaline of uh, deadlines allows you to do things more effectively. Um, though, even though it's not necessarily the best way to do things. So 
knowing that KubeCon was coming up and I was like, I have no new clothes for the stage. Like I have to go shopping. <laughs> that was a good one. And Constance was paying attention because she knew that you're missing a hat. So maybe that's how the idea came about. Like, hmm, you bought everything except the hat. I'll make you a hat <laughs> like you cannot buy. And that's exactly oh. what happened. <laughs> oh, we were we were churning on the uh, the tinfoil hat idea for a while um, prior to doing like doing the the the, the uh, promo video and everything. Um, so that was like we had that you know we, we had that in preparation. We're Background just figuring out how to, how to do it. Yeah. So I think it was. The week that the promo video was like the idea started coming out was like the week that um, the conference talks were accepted. And so there was a lot of chatter and a lot of misinformation out there about how talks were selected. And that was kind of kind of inspired us to do the promo video of a little bit. And like it was also related to like the world news. Right. Like right now is a huge like misinformation. is massive in all aspects of life. And it hit KubeCon as well, which is really surprising. And so that kind of inspired us to play on that narr narrative, make it a little more playful. So people can kind of, you know, think a little bit more about how they get their information, mm. you know, in an indirect way, but. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that was like appreciated in so many ways. I think it's going to lead to so many other things. It's just like this idea, right? Uh, you take, uh, I wouldn't say negative, but something that, you know, could be a negative, turn it into a positive, a playful positive, and then it leads to many other positive things. So that was yeah. really nice. One thing that I do say is like a lot of people did have very like negative experiences. Like I personally had some negative experience, like feedback and like happened, like a lot of people who are like big program chairs and like track chairs who've, I guess this is going to be like a little, like, thank you so much to the track chairs and program chairs. Like we've said this many times, but like they spend hours, like up to like hundreds of hours reviewing the talks and like trying to like give us feedback. And so that we can collate it more and come up with a final selection. And like, that is thankless work. And so thank you. It's tedious to read. It's tedious because like, you know, you're just seeing like conference talk after conference talking, you're trying to like, you know, identify what's different and what's unique and trying to think about what, what people want to see. And it's a really hard place to put yourself in. So thank you. And also thank you everyone to submit a CFPs. Thank you. Yes, people do review yes. them. And we appreciate it. We really do. One of the, the hardest parts, you know, just to the outside of the volume of talks that we have to review, it's also like, there are like external factors to look at, right? You know, it's like, time of day, what's going on with your family? How's work going? Like all of these things that like outside of just trying to understand the technical content and the story that someone's trying to tell, those are definitely at play in the review process, right? And, you know, even reviewing a talk that looks similar to, to another one that you've seen, but the first one you saw first, right? So, you know, so by default, you kind of have this like feeling about it. Um, so I think it's it's important, like we go through we go through the process and we kind of look at the talks that are also similar and go, okay, just before just because we saw this one first doesn't mean it's you know it's it's the better one. like what what are the what are the actual strengths between these two? I think when we have duplication of content, finding ways to put put folks together in a room, uh, you know, maybe it's, Maybe it's combining efforts with with talks. Maybe it is, you know, maybe it is moving something to uh, a different track and and asking them to tweak the talk in the lens of, you know, in the lens of that track. Um, I think that observability is is definitely a great example. I think you know, customizing and extending Kubernetes, right, where you get lots of interesting takes. You've also got like this this end user play, right, where you know, how does this how does this talk affect an end user? Right. 
or the 101 track is another great example, right? Where we have a where we have a talk that the way the story is told fits very nicely for someone who is just getting started with this type of content, right? And then maybe the talk that looks similar is more intermediate advanced content that that may belong on, say, the observability track or the customizing and extending track, right? It's definitely a balance for all of the reviewers to provide like really thoughtful feedback. And we do heavily depend on, on that feedback to structure the program. So like Constance said, thank you again for everyone who gets involved in, in the review process. I think there's a lot of nuance here, right? That people just wouldn't think about. And this must take a really long time. And not just that, a lot of mental effort. And to be honest, I still can't appreciate it because I don't know what is the volume. Like how many talks do you have to go through? How many discussions do you have to, like, how many hours do you end up discussing? And when you look at the end result, you think, oh, just like, I don't know, 100 talks, no big deal. But it is a very big deal, a very big deal, right? I think, you know, I think the, um, <laughs> I think the, the answer to any good, hard problem is it depends. Mm -hmm. um, and it depends for KubeCon, uh, day by day. Some of the stuff that we see ahead of time, some of the stuff that trickles in towards the end. You know, what's also interesting about it is for our program, how many how many talks were we at? I think for the official program, Constance, like a hundred and change, right? It was ninety. Somewhere, something. yeah, somewhere around the it was the like 100, 90, 120 yeah. mark, and we had to do do cuts to like give the point of reference is that for EU twenty twenty one, we accepted either nine hundred or hundred talks, and there's a maintainers track session was separate. In EU 2020, which we expect to be in person, we accepted over 200. And so that's also part of why like that shock was like huge in terms of like there, we had to send more rejections because we were trying to make the schedule a lot smaller so it could be more digestible for a virtual. We didn't do that for 2020 because when Vicky and I were choosing the talk, we met, Vicky and I met in person to choose the talks back in January 2020. So we didn't, right, no one knew about, or no one was, not no one knew about COVID, but COVID didn't seem real at that point. So like that was a huge cut. And for North America, 2020, we accepted like 150, 160, maybe. Those I think was like around a thousand talks. But for I think in person North America, in person in North America, 2019, I don't know what the numbers are. But it was, more talks were accepted than EU, so probably like 300ish talks, maybe. We had to cut a lot of accepted talks because of the virtual component. This episode is brought to you by Linode. Gone are the days when Amazon Web Services was the only cloud provider in town. Linode stands tall to offer cloud computing developers trust, easily deploy cloud compute, storage, and networking in seconds with a full-featured API, CLI, and cloud manager with a user-friendly interface. Whether you're working on a personal project or managing your enterprise's infrastructure, Linode has the pricing, scale, and support you need to launch and scale in the cloud. Get started with $100 in free credit at linode.com slash changelog. Again, linode.com slash changelog. If you are going to submit the talk, what would you like to say to those that submit the talk, Constance and Stephen, for North America? One, thank you. We know it's really hard to put yourself out there and I think the one thing that usually ends up for me, like making things distinct from one talk over the other is clearly 
don't say like, I'm going to tell you the five benefits. Like what, like, give me a hint, like, Hey, I like have five benefits. And the first one is like something different. Like make sure like you position yourself a little differently from other talks. And we do face this now that KubeCon's been going on for so long. So especially when it comes to like Kubernetes deployments, you know, like, Hey, I deployed Kubernetes at my company. Like those are valuable stories, but we've heard a lot of those. And so if, there isn't a lot of differentiation between like all those previous talks that might be a better blog post because blog posts is a little bit more easy for it to digest. So maybe think about like, Hey, I'm deploying Kubernetes at my company because, you know, and we have this ridiculous scale or, you know, we have this ridiculous requirement that is like really unique, like calling that out about why your problem is different than it was something else really highlights it. Yeah, I would, um, you know, I think my big suggestion would be, you know, I think a lot of making decisions is about, understanding the different lenses of the people that are involved in decisions, as well as um, the personas that might be involved in the results of your decision, right? So I would say, you know, as you're writing your abstracts, this is one of my favorite questions to ask. It's, um, would you want to go to your talk? If you can't answer that, then, then there, is, there is something that you probably would, you would want to tweak. What about those that say, I have to go to my talk because my company would force me to, to attend all the talks from my company. If, if you were not you, if you were not you, would you go to your talk? If you had no obligation to go to your talk, would you do it? Is there something valuable enough in that talk uh, to take away? Would you go to it? You know, I, I guess the, the second suggestion would be don't make this decision in a vacuum. Um, you usually have people that you can bounce your talk ideas off of. You have experienced uh, reviewers um, that frequently as KubeCon is happening or as CFPs are rolling around, uh, people will tweet like, hey, if you need a review for your, for your proposal, please, you know, feel free. I'm, I'm happy to give advice, right? So don't, don't not take advantage of those opportunities and definitely, um, definitely shop your ideas around because that is usually where we see the best ones. So let me see if I understood this correctly. Let's imagine that I'm submitting a talk. This comes out 17th of May. This will be live. You'll have six days to submit a talk, right? 23rd of May is the last day that you can submit a talk for KubeCon North America. Mm -hmm. If I was to submit a talk, based on what you said, this is what I understand. First of all, start with the takeaways, right? What are the main takeaways? And don't say there will be five, say what they are, be explicit about them. And when you put them like that, before you submit, think, if you weren't you, would you go and attend that talk? Are those takeaways that you've listed valuable enough, if you weren't you, to go and attend the talk? Is that a good summary? Yeah. Yeah, I was going to start, but I was like, there's one thing too, is like, a lot of talks should actually be a blog post because like, there's a lot of things I maybe I want to learn from people, but it's really hard for me to, cons at least for myself, like how I learn is I can't consume things well in a talk. Cause like, Hey, you know, like they're sharing screen, like they're sharing snippets of code and they're running these things there. And that's really hard to follow. And so a lot of talks, I actually wish there are other blogs or they had the accompanying blogs, like detailing exactly what they did. Mm -hmm. At least for myself, like whenever I need to, like whenever I'm searching for some problem solving, if I have to watch a video, I just, I don't process it really well. And so that's where I wish yeah. people wrote more blogs, but also I understand that it's incredibly difficult to write blogs and I hate doing it whenever I have to do it. So I get why people don't. I, well, I think it's, it's playing to your, your strengths too, right? Um, to your point, everyone learns a little differently. You know, you take SIG meetings, for example, like I will not go back and view a recording. 
like it needs to be something that I'm building for like evidence that will force me to go back and, and look for a recording. Um, I don't like learning that way. Um, mm -hmm. I would prefer to see a digest or something. There are some people who can easily turn out blogs. There are some people who are terrified of being on stage, figuring out how to play to your strengths. I think, you know, you know, some of the, the talks that we saw around kind of like playing with the borders of delivering a talk because it was now virtual. Like you, you just had more opportunity. People who have, you know, video editing experience went crazy with it. Um, you know, for a few of the talks, I think both uh, Tabby and, and Ellen's uh, talk this time around and Justin Garrison's talk for NA um, were just brilliant examples of tearing down the borders of, you know, what, what it means to like just give a talk to an audience, right? Um, they, they played with it and I, and I like that. Yeah, that's right. It's like a whole new world, right? When you record yourself. Um, yeah. Props, sure. Yeah. Like made so easy, right? Uh, do it again. It doesn't have to be the first time. Refine it and give maybe an internal talk and see what people think and then do it again. So it doesn't have to be the first time, right? You have as many sure. chances as you want, right? And the more work you put in, that's, a, that's yeah. the one thing that you cannot skip. The more work you put in it, the better it will be. It shows. It all, and it always, it always shows. I remember my last talk that I gave was in NA in 2018. And it was the second time I gave that talk. I had like internally done it. And I am so upset with myself because like in the next three months after I gave that talk, I gave it again uh, somewhere else. But like, I finally found a way to make things like a little more clear. And I'm like, I wish I was ready for this. I could cut North America. But then, mm. you know, like it was just forcing function of doing another, like doing that presentation and feeling like, oh, I didn't see people laugh or I didn't see people like people had this like, do I be like, I don't get that. I was like, okay, I need to refine that. And like, till you get that feedback, mm. you don't really know how to iterate on it. And so there is a good forcing function for like practicing it. I think like internal demos, right? Like you give a talk internally in your company, see how many people show up, see what they say. And if they don't like it very much, maybe take the hint, <laughs> improve or drop it. That's another way, yeah. right? I've noticed that if people are giving a talk, it's usually because there's something they need to share and they're usually like, it is probably the right time to share. One thing that's hard about talks is that it's, you know, 20, 30 minutes of you're just there sitting and you're absorbing information. And if you don't have a way, like, especially if you don't have a way to interact with the data, it's hard to process it. And so mm -hmm. that's sometimes why things might flop and some things might be better as a workshop or tutorial versus a talk and what information you're trying to present. There's like, you have to think about different ways to interact with it. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be a talk. As Stephen says, write a blog post. That's okay. It's no less difficult or better or whatever or worse than talk it's just a different format people love it yeah hop on a hop on a podcast hop on a twitch stream talk about your idea show me a repo like it does yeah it, it's you know do the work in the way that you feel comfortable i think first and foremost do do the work in a way that you feel you're going to be most effective um and it's going to highlight your strengths right you know we we put on a conference but it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be a talk it doesn't have to be a talk. I think, you know, opportunities to play with it, things, you know, uh, things like the, you know, the bug bash was a great example of, you know, getting people together and just we're hacking on stuff, you know, we're hacking on it. And maybe that's the way that you, you know, maybe that's the, the your best way of highlighting your strengths, right? By like, let's get into the code. Let's see what's going on. Let's get, let's just get it going. Right. So, yeah, I think, you know, taking a time, taking time to assess what your strengths are and, and how to display them is really, really important. I think that we kind of forget that 
there's an element, I guess, like of tech fame of like having your talk accepted and presenting the stuff that there, but that's like one element of being recognized and granted like recognition and appreciation is incredibly important. And like, I know I thrive on it and I'm sure a lot of people like that's like a source of validation, but I know so many people who are amazing contributors to the project and like public speaking or, you know, doing these presentations is horrible, but like they, like the way that they disseminate information is like being active in maintainers, like, you know, maintainer sessions and within their smaller groups of like responding to issues and, so this is one way to be recognized in the community. And maybe like you do get a little larger audience, like the individuals who don't like this venue of communicating, interacting with like the larger community broad, like they're doing a lot, like a lot of hard work in terms of responding to issues and being involved there. And that's super important. And I guess we need to find a way to do more of like highlighting those people too. You can figure that out. Yeah. That's a very good Cause that point. is also might make the project important, like really successful is like, are the people who are responding to issues joining those meetings, you know, hey, like, let's go over the design doc and talk about it. And they're not necessarily going to want to do a talk because also, like, I realized for myself, it could take me up to 100 hours, right? Like three work weeks to come up with a slide deck and a first draft of a presentation I'll do. Wow, right? okay. So, like, that's a lot of emotional energy. And so for others, right, like, they might not necessarily have that bandwidth because they've invested in other things that they find valuable. And so mm-hmm. I want to say there's other ways to be tech famous. It's just that like, this is maybe a more obvious way. Yeah, I think, you know, I think part of it too is like that 100 hours, I think the 100 hours is spent, for me at least, uh, panicking and not necessarily doing anything useful. Um, I usually want to have a conversation with you. Um, My talks tend to be, you know, I I think more of a discussion with people than um, delivering, you know, any one piece of content. Um, So Often, like if you, you know, saw the, the Kubernetes keynote updates or, you know, anything that happened uh, last KubeCon, there were no slides. I just had a, I just spoke to you. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think, again, figuring out what works for you um, and playing to those strengths. I think that takes special talent. Very few people can pull that off. If you don't have slides, very few people can pull that off. Uh, I know a few. Um, and yes, I would agree with what you've just said, Stephen. You're one of them. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Cockroach Lab, the makers of CockroachDB, the most highly evolved database on the planet. With CockroachDB, you can scale fast, survive anything, and thrive everywhere. It's open source, Postgres wire compatible, and Kubernetes friendly, which means you can launch and run it anywhere. For those who need more, you can build and scale fast with Cockroach Cloud, which is CockroachDB hosted as a service. It's the simplest way to deploy CockroachDB and is available instantly on AWS and Google Cloud. With Cockroach Cloud, a team of world-class SREs maintains and manages your database infrastructure so you can focus less on ops and more on code. Get started for free with a 30-day free trial or try their new forever free tier that's super generous. Head to cockroachlabs.com slash changelog to learn more. Again, cockroachlabs.com slash changelog. Is there anything specific that you're looking forward to in the next KubeCon? Is there a specific element that you're looking forward to, whatever that may be? 
yeah, I mean, it's, it really is the, uh, so you, you can't, those, those listening, um, you can't see the, the hands and stuff, but you know, Constance was trying to shake my hand. Um, I have not mm -hmm. met Constance in per person. Um, the high yeah. five, high ah. five. There you go. Virtual high fives all around. <laughs> <laughs> that just happened. <laughs> Um, I have not met Constance in person. I have not uh, had the opportunity to take the keynote stage um, since I have been chair. Again, my favorite part, uh, I, I say this in pretty much every interview, my, my favorite part of any conference is the hallway track. And we have, we're actively working to do more to make it feel like you're in the hallway uh, virtually. But, you know, being able to see the maintainers that I work with uh, all year round in person, even if it's like the six feet apart, you know, wave from across the, the hall. Um, I think it's going to be that that's, that's what I'm looking forward to. Agreed. So for those that have never been to KubeCon, what is the hallway track Constance? So hallway track, it ends up happening where you maybe go to talk and, uh, you see like someone ask a question to the speaker and you're like, so like, say, and I see that that person asking a question, like, and I go to the person, like, hey, like that question was really good. I was wondering, like, that kind of related to my problem. Like, I've seen so many people who'd end up taking like pen and paper in the hallway and be like, okay, well, I was doing this thing here, and they're like debugging things together, and they talk about it, and you end up becoming friends with these people. And so, a hallway track is pretty much just meeting other people who have similar interests, or not even similar interests, because like there are some other happy hours, or just like, hey, everyone's together and just talk to people. But you end up getting to make friends and getting to know people who are in the broader community and you get to meet them and you just get to hang out. And then sorry, I'm just like getting so excited about the prospect of like hanging out with people in person. Like I only got my first vaccine on Sunday. Um, and so I'm in the States. Um, I was in Canada and Canada is a rollout, but like back in States now and just like, I can count how many weeks away it is where I, I could be maybe in a crowd of people. And so like that just, to be in a crowd of people and so excited to think about it but we did try to replicate this so if things unfortunately take a turn and it goes back to virtual it goes virtual only we do have hallway track zooms and so it's a little bit inorganic at first because you get to be placed in breakout rooms but then you have an opportunity to meet a group of people that you never would have met before and that is really fun and you get to you know like i met someone who's like oh actually i was interested in open telemetry let's talk about it and we spent like two hours later on talking about open telemetry or People had like, like, oh, someone goes climbing or cycling. And so you get to meet people with similar interests and fun. Right. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's definitely like extracting the, um, the joke around about how like, oh, I, you know, I, I've always imagined you as a tiny square on Slack, right? You know, or, or, or GitHub, you know, often the way that we interact with people is mostly through their contributions, asking, you know, asking and answering questions about things that are happening on, on our projects. But it, it, you know, it definitely, there is a transactional element of, of, of doing that, right. Which is entirely different when you get to, to meet in person um, because you, you get more of an opportunity to like, you're not at the computer. You get to have the opportunity to like talk about the self that exists kind of outside of, um, the open source community are outside of their their day to day work. You know, as we as we head back into this, I would remind folks of the um, of the Pac Man rule. Depending on how close we're allowed to be at that point, right? Um, so the Pac Man rule is a fun one. If anyone has played Pac Man or seen what Pac Man looks like in the past, like imagine a pizza with one of the slices removed, right? That's kind of like the image of Pac Man and 
what the Pac-Man role is about is essentially like when you group up, when you start bunching up into, because that this is essentially what will happen in, in the hallway. Um, a bunch of folks that have, you know, that know each other will group up into a circle and, and start having a conversation. And what I would say is make your circle, uh, you know, follow the Pac-Man rule, let the circle be Pac-Man shaped, right? Because when you let the circle be Pac-Man shaped, it allows someone new to come into the conversation. Right, and then they they expand the circle wider and wider, um, and you start bringing in different perspectives. Um, you maybe get an opportunity to talk to uh, a new contributor, um, mm -hmm. someone who hasn't gotten involved in things yet. I think you know we're all human. We're all human, but you know definitely for me, I have a bunch of heroes in this community, um, and you could be standing shoulder to shoulder with one of your heroes. Um, so give them an opportunity to. Uh, to have that experience and to have conversations. That's a very good one. This is the first time I've heard that. That's really good. And what I would say, what I would add to that is if the circle gets so big that you can't talk anymore, that's your limit, right? <laughs> that's your limit. <laughs> Stop expanding it. You can't talk. <laughs> I, you know, I think that um, one of the fun things that ended up happening in, it was Barcelona. Barcelona, there was a giant swarm party now, I think there was a, a DJ that they hired for the party. And I think people were kind of grouped up in their own groups. And we noticed that there were, you know, there weren't that many people dancing, right? You know, as we were, as we were chatting, our group was kind of out on the floor and we we're like, there's no one dancing. I think, you know, this is a party. We need to start dancing. And it kind of started off as a circle um, of maybe four uh, you know, four or five folks and turned into a very large circle of maybe 20 folks um, by the end of it. So um, I would say your circle can get as big as it needs to get <laughs> okay. for the space for the space that it'll uh, allow. One thing, if a new person joins a group, someone in the circle, should it be like, hey, new person, like, what's your name? And like, actually give them an opportunity to introduce themselves. I'm actually pretty shy in new group people situations. And I'm just always like, I'm going to eventually wait to be like, hi. But it's like, if someone just like, hey, who are you? Like, nice to meet you. At least like you have an opportunity to introduce yourself and feel a little more easy to say hi and join mm -hmm. the group. Yeah, I, I think that when we'll meet first, we'll be so crazed by that moment that we won't know what to do, right? We're like, whoa, what is this happening? So I think there are certain rules which you need to reiterate. <laughs> it's very important that we start with them. Because we forget, right? It's all Zoom. It's all, you know, whatever else it is, just like online chatting. And then when we get in person, when we bring the human element, which I think everybody's looking forward to. Now that I like, that question is like almost like obvious, right? The answer is it will be in person. Everyone will be looking forward to that. The in-person element, the human element. And then there will be certain rules which we'll need to, well, remind ourselves of how it works, first of all. <laughs> and then second of all, how to make it work in the new world, right? So the combination, yeah. is there anything specific that you want to discuss in the last 15 minutes, anything that you want to get out there? So now you get to take the reins if you I wish. I do. Go on, Constance. Anything. Um, so Go for it. one thing from the keynotes, Ava and Bob's talk was amazing, right? And it was so important for the community. And one thing I do want to, I guess, call out is um, sense of ownership. There's people are asking like, oh, like, I hope they can do a follow up, you know, talk again. And like, I want to keep on hearing from them, but I also want this to be a call to action to the community. It isn't, you know, Ava and Bob's responsibility to give us updates. It's actually like, this is a really good time for us to pull from them, right? Don't let them push the information. Let's pull the information from them, right? They have 
you know, they're a part of big groups that are doing this effort and they're posting updates and there's a lot of ways to get engaged with them directly. And so, especially for, I mostly want to call it out there because there's such a strong reaction in the keynotes uh, Slack channel, but it's like, they don't have to give us the updates. We can get the updates ourselves and be more involved. And this also applies to other projects too. Like everyone, all these projects and SIGs and working groups, I'm sorry, I know also TAGs, all of these places have mechanisms for being involved and pulling information from them. And so it's more of a call to action for everyone to be more of a active participant instead of a passive participant. If you're curious about something, pull that information, get it yourself. I guess it's like Ava and Bob did an amazing job, but I don't want, it shouldn't be their responsibility to always update us. Like we should be active participants and getting the latest information and making sure that we're being healthy community members. How can people pull this information? So, so very specifically for their talk, um, something that Ava mentioned that is worth repeating, the responsibility for like gaining information, especially as you're, as, as we're, we're, we're talking through and thinking through and having discussions um, about, uh, about diversity, about equity, about inclusion in these communities, it's not our job to, to teach everyone everything, right? It is your job to care enough to do that work yourself. With regards to that talk specifically, uh, github.com slash community uh, will give you everything that you need to know about the Kubernetes community, a walkthrough on, um, on governance structure, all of the various uh, SIGs, working groups, sub-projects that are within the community, as well as links out to information on uh, the Kubernetes Steering Committee, as well as the, the Code of Conduct Committee. I think for talks in general, you know, we were going over this just yesterday, uh, but it will be many, you know, many more days since yesterday when, when you hear this. Um, but we were going over kind of like the, the composition of talks, the expectation for content, it is not possible for us to give you all of the information that you need. I think that I think that in any KubeCon that you go to, any conference that you go to, really, um, it should generate questions for you. Hopefully, it generates questions for you. Hopefully, it generates interest for you to to want to go and discover more about that particular topic. Um, I think that there is a component of being kind to the people who are delivering this content as well. Very often, you will see things on the internet where uh, folks will go, oh, well, I was expecting this, you know, X, Y, and Z from this talk because blah, 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 and this is the thing that I care about, right? Um, the thing that you care about is not necessarily the thing that the, the speaker cares about or not necessarily the audience that the speaker is trying to speak to, right? So be kind when you, when you think through uh, content that you're, you're receiving. The content that is delivered on stage virtually, what have you, you know, is the sum total of hours and hours of dedication, conversations with multiple people, decades of experience often. So try to figure out how that content can be useful to you, but try to do it in a constructive manner. I, I think that there is also, uh, you know, there's always, there's always a way to ask questions that can be effective and, um, and useful to both parties. Um, so try to, try to think of ways to do that. When we say Bob and Ava pull information, don't pull information from Bob and Ava, right? You know, they are pull, pull information from the, from the committees that they represent, from the communities that they represent. 
I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what constants meant. But like, I, that's I think exactly it's what it meant. Yeah. clarifying that point. Do not reach out to them necessarily. They can mm -hmm. be your ingress point to these communities, but do your own due diligence uh, to get this information. The information is out there. The information is out there because we have put it out there because someone has asked the question before. You're not the you're usually not the first person to ask the question, and I think that a lot of the communities in the open source space do uh, do tremendous work to try to answer questions that have been asked before and put them in, in places that are visible. I will get us the links because right. you meant GitHub.com/slash/Kubernetes/slash/Community, right? Yes. Yep. In the notes. Okay. In the show notes. Great. Okay. Yeah. So. What I understand from what Stephen said, and you, Constance, as well, is that the content and experience that is KubeCon, okay, you pay for your ticket, right? But that doesn't give you the right to behave like an right? It's a gift. It is, Nothing it does. is a privilege. Nothing gives you a exactly. right. Exactly. Nothing. Yeah. It's a gift, right? Everything that you receive, everything that you learn, all the conversations, they are a gift. And treat them as such. If you don't like it, say thank you. <laughs> and be polite, right? Even if you don't like it, that's what you do when you get a gift. So if you think about them like that, then maybe you'll feel less privileged in that you're owed something. You're not owed anything. And I, I think that, you know, I think there's a, there's for sure a flip side to that where um, we're not standing from on high giving gifts out necessarily, right? I think that, you know, we are, we're always want for feedback. Um, there are official venues to provide feedback. Uh, there are talk surveys, there are conference surveys, um, there are transparency reports that come out at the end of conferences to, to give you more of a, a clue of like the composition of the conference and how people felt it went and stuff like, so if you have feedback, make it constructive, put it through official channels. I think that, you know, a lot of the things that we you know, a lot of the things that we often see, we're, you know, we're on Twitter, we're on the internet. Um, sometimes it's easy to get wrapped up in conversations uh, that fall out of the official channels. Um, and people will often have expectations of these conversations, but not realize that because you didn't put it through an official channel, you know, the people who have the ability to change these things, you didn't give them the feedback. So that feedback that you thought was was effective for you know for whatever it's worth it doesn't reach the people that you need to to change it right and if you don't know how to give feedback i'm pretty sure this is answered in the community guide on how to give constructive positive feedback i'm sure right we have we have speaker guides we have That's conference right. guides we have a code of conduct for the conference i tweeted about it we've tweeted about like how to give constructive feedback yeah yeah but it's also like, it's actually, you can also search constructive feedback. There's a lot of different ways to do it. There's a lot of training on it. So there's that oh, yeah. as well. Okay. So be kind. This is something that keeps showing up and maybe don't things, don't take things too seriously, right? People do make mistakes sometimes and, you know, it's not meant to hurt you in any way, right? It's just, it just happens. So don't take it too seriously. If you didn't like it, don't be a jerk or whatever the other equivalent is, um, be nice, yeah. be kind. I think also too, there's something to add to that too. Like people will make mistakes and sometimes you'll accidentally be a jerk and it's not okay. But the thing to do is to own it. Like apologize on the side. There's a way to like, don't just ignore it because 
then it's not actually addressing it and it kind of like, you know, ignoring the problem is actually part of the problem. But if you address it like, hey, you know, sorry, I made a mistake, right? And, you know, I offended you and I'm sorry that wasn't my intent. Like rectify those situations so that does build, they build trust and makes things a little better. And I, you know, I think there's a, you know, there's a kind of aphorism that, you know, people agree and, and disagree with, which is assume good intent, right? And it's tricky because like when you walk into situations, um, there, there's, there's of course a balance. Like I think that, you know, in the open source space, we want to be good and kind and true and assume that, you know, people are operating in, in, in the best intentions of the community. At the same time, you know, the flip side of that is you're often requesting uh, you're often requesting that from people who have been, uh, you know, uh, who have been historically marginalized and underrepresented. So when you ask them to uh, assume good intent from people who have not uh, historically given, uh, you know, had good intentions for them, um, you're you're asking them to to self harm essentially. So I think that there is for for sure a balance uh, of um, having thoughtful discussions and and again like doing the work to be thoughtful in your communication. Um, so people, I, I guarantee you, anytime I see, you know, there are quite a few communities within the cloud native space that I work on, you know, across Kubernetes, across KubeCon for the, the you know, technical advisory group for uh, contributor strategy, for inclusive naming initiative, all of these places. If I see you potentially causing harm to one of the contributors that I, that I work with, I will say something about it every time. I will call you out. I think everybody should do that, right? It shouldn't be just Steven. It's, it's all of us, right? It's the community that we build. We are responsible. And um, we know it's hard, certain degrees of hard, but it's hard, uh, but it's worth it. It's worth to be kind. It's worth to be nice. It's worth to actually invest in this because it is ours. Like KubeCon is all of, all of ours. So what do we want it to be? Um, well, it happens to be my favorite conference out of all the conferences. And that doesn't just happen. And it's not just a group of people that made it happen. It's everybody, literally everybody. So if you're a participant, if it's your first time, if it's your, you've been every single KubeCon, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't change anything. It's, it's you, always you're part of it. You're part of it. You're part of Team Cloud Native. I think that, you know, the second you decide that you attend, you want to attend, the second you stare at... Uh, a GitHub repo, the second you join a mailing list for one of these, these, these projects, like you're part of it, you're part of it. And we do this for you and we can't do this without you. So yeah. bring your best self to this. I also think too, like KubeCon became so big because the community is great. And because we keep on reflecting on what our standards and our commitment is to the community and trying to improve ourselves. And we don't stay stagnant and Right, that's why these conferences are so large, is because we do try to make it inclusive and we try to hold ourselves accountable and try to grow and learn. And once we stop doing that, it will no longer be the community that many of us love. So a, a PSA on that, um, I think is important to hear as we prepare for everyone to, hopefully more people to start doing in-person things again. And, and I mentioned this because it's, it's very, it's it's very important right this second because I've I've seen it happen. The, these projects, these communities, these events uh, are held by a code of conduct, often multiple codes of conduct. 
conduct yourself appropriately if you are attending one of these events. The, these uh, these events are not uh, are not dating events. You do not have the permission or the right to make someone feel uncomfortable in these spaces. And if we find out about it, we will act on it. That is not invited behavior in our communities. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Constance. This was like if you've made it to the end, you got all the good parts. And if you've made it this far, rewind 10 minutes and listen again, because that was yeah. the best part of this interview. It's really powerful. We have to acknowledge the negative parts because they're there, right? We can't just gloss over them. There's also positive there, you know, choose whatever you want to focus on, but don't ignore the bad bits. Manage them. You can't ignore it. When you decide to ignore, that makes you culpable. Mm-hmm. That's how it starts. That makes you culpable. Yeah. That's how it starts. That's the beginning. Yeah. Who knows yeah. what the end will be, but don't get there. Just catch it early, right? Catch it early. I know, like, I've had horrible experiences in tech. And I will say, like, one thing that made me want to keep on staying was this community. And if it's to ever resemble some of my previous bad experiences in tech, I would just be like, this isn't worth it for me. And so I'm very proud of this community for holding yourself to higher standard than what you know, the baseline is for tech because the baseline for tech honestly is abysmal mm-hmm. and yeah, we yeah. can do much better. And CNCF is thankfully like CNCF, like the projects are doing much better than that. And I want us to keep on growing because we still have a long ways to go. So first of all, you mentioned about tech and how thing, how abysmal things are in tech constants. And you're right, right? Uh, we all have different perspectives. Uh, the underrepresented groups have it the worst. And most of you have no idea what it's like right? It's, it's, it can get really bad. And I think I'm finally, after years and years, starting to understand what is special about the cloud native landscape and the CNCF. It's not the projects. It's not even like the effort. It's this attitude that people have, and it's this community that's coming together. And doesn't matter what happens, like all the ideas coming together, all the good stuff coming out of it, it's the people that have this attitude, which is very positive, which is very inclusive. And it's this strength that drives everything else. That's why people commit to it and do amazing things within it because they can thrive. So all we're doing is creating this place where people can thrive. They can feel safe. They can feel, feel um, creative. And the sky's the limit, really. There's, there's nothing you can't do. Well, well, I say that there are things you can't do and you shouldn't <laughs> do, but uh, you know what I mean. <laughs> there are limits. There are limits for sure. Yeah, but I, you know, you know what I, I think. Mean. I think that um, getting started in the cloud native space, I definitely um, was very excited, uh, you know, bright eyed and bushy tailed and, and excited about learning the technology. I don't really care about the technology as much anymore. Mm. I, I spend a lot less time on the command line these days. I spend a lot more time, especially in the new role, uh, talking to people. Um, I think that we're building a people system or we're, we're building a set of people systems. And every time I have a chat with someone who, um, you know, is just getting started or is stuck on something or, you know, maybe we catch up after a year of them being involved, like it's, that is, that's what gives me the energy uh, to, to keep, to keep doing it. Like, because like seeing, seeing us create a space where, like you said, people can thrive um, and, and learn and grow and then, you know, and then how, you know, with any good technology, um, especially in our space, it's like, how do we, 
how do we make it distributed? How do we scale it? Right. So it's, it's beyond that, you know, and this is a great example, right? I can't necessarily have this one-to-one conversation with everyone who might be listening to this later, but having opportunities to make something that is scalable, you know, how do I give a lesson to someone or how do I learn from someone in such a way that we're going to be able to replicate that with someone else, with a group of people, with a set of projects, you know, with multiple areas of the tech industry, right? It's like, how do we continue scaling the good work that we're doing? This is too good. I had too much fun. I'm not, I'm not sure whether it's safe to have this much fun on the Friday, but this may be, I think, the best part of the day for me. So thank you. I sure hope so. <laughs> I hope it's safe. Yeah, this is great. Thank you. Thank you. This was the best conversation I had all week. So thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> That's it for this episode of Ship It. Thank you for tuning in. We have a bunch of podcasts for developers at Changelog that you should check out. Subscribe to the master feed at changelog.com forward slash master to get everything we ship. I want to personally invite you to join your fellow Changeloggers at changelog.com forward slash community. It's free to join and stay. Leaving, on the other hand, will cost you some happiness credits. Come hang with us in Slack there are no imposters. Everyone is welcome. Huge thanks again to our partners, Fastly, LaunchDarkly, and Minode. Also, thanks to Breakmaster Cylinder for making all our awesome beats. That's it for this week. See you next week.